It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people that never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K dot com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk with my guest today. Joining me is John Miller, founder and CEO of Engageo. John, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you very much. I'm very excited. So take a minute, introduce yourself. I mean, you've got a great background that people should hear about before we start talking about Engageo. Well, sure. So, you know, I'm a marketing uh, technology entrepreneur, and I think some people might say a thought leader. Uh, this is my, my, Engageo is my second uh, technology startup. Previously, I was the co-founder and original CMO at Marketo. Many of you probably heard of that. Which was a, leader. a great success. Yeah, a leader in marketing automation that uh, went public and recently sold to this equity for $1.8 billion. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. That, that would count as a success in most people's <laughs> book. So um, how'd you get into marketing? Well, you know, it's funny. My uh, undergraduate degree is actually in physics. I, uh, I spent my summers doing the fusion research at Lawrence Livermore National Lab, and I actually got into MIT for a PhD program. Uh, but, you know, I sort of looked at a bunch of my peers who were going off into the quote-unquote business world and thought that at least I should give that a shot. So I ended up deferring MIT for a year, got a job at a management consulting firm, which quickly led me into uh, a company that was doing consulting kind of, you know, back in 1994 around what we would have called CRM mm -hmm. uh, today. And that company called Exchange Partners spun out a marketing technology tool that eventually became known as Exchange, which was the leading marketing technology of the mid-90s. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years when I was graduating from business school, uh, looking for a job, it just made natural sense for me to go to a place called Epiphany, uh, which <laughs> was right. the 
ultimately ended up being the leading marketing technology of the internet of the internet era. So I was actually at, at Epiphany for a little over seven years until we finally sold it. Uh, and it was coming out of Epiphany. That's when Phil Fernandez and I decided to start Marketo. So kind of fell into marketing technology. But I think that analytical quantitative way of thinking that I got trained trained to do with physics has really helped me to kind of be the mark, you know, kind of learn marketing and sure. frankly, just operational discipline. Well, it's it's become much more about data than you know, Mad Men era about instinct and gut instinct on creating a great tagline. Yep, that's exactly right. So, all right, you disrupted one industry with Marketo, and now what was the impetus for starting Engageo, and what was the what was the disruption you were trying to occur this time? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's best explained with an analogy. You know, the so the kind of marketing that we were good at at Marketo was what I call fishing with a net. And we'd run our campaigns, and we didn't care which specific fish we would catch. We just cared, did I catch enough fish? It's like dragnets exactly. <laughs> out by Alaska, right? We don't care what we catch. We want to get tuna, but if we don't get tuna, we'll take whatever we got. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you do have bycatch when you kind of use that strategy. But even if there's not, you know, even if you're just catching the kind of fish you want, it's not about going after the big fish. It's just kind of getting lots of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what happened at Marketo, though, is we tried to start selling more at market. We tried to sell the enterprise, and we had a list of named accounts. And to use the analogy, we realized that these big fish didn't just happen to swim into our net. You know, If we wanted to go after the big fish, we had to reach out to them with more specific targeted outbound tactics. Um, and we started using those tactics, but I realized that Marketo as an application – for everything that it does, it wasn't really built to support this kind of account-based outbound you know, activity. And one of my friends was struggling with the same thing and suggested, you know, when she knew I wanted to start thinking about a new company, she suggested, what about a platform for doing, you know, account-based marketing? And so, uh, yeah, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. You know, so in a nutshell, what we're doing with Engageo is we want to be the platform for fishing with spears, just like a Marketo is the platform for fishing with nets. Got it. All right, so let's let's talk about some terminologies for a second. So account-based marketing. I I know there's some still people out there that that hear it, but they're not really sure what you mean by it. So why don't you explain account-based marketing? Well, to to be really simplistic about it, you know, salespeople have always been account-centric. Right. Right. You know, at the end of the month, they don't talk about how many leads they closed. They talk about how many accounts they closed. You know, and when they ring the cowbell, they write a company name on the board and not a person's name. The problem, though, is marketing, up until pretty recently, has been a lead-centric discipline. And you know, to be honest, tools like Marketo are partly at fault for that. You know, because in Marketo, you log in and you see lists of leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, we've been in this world for a long time where, you know, salespeople think about accounts and marketers think about leads and, you know, that's not the only reason marketing and sales don't get along, but it, it definitely doesn't help. You know, so at, it, at its most basic, simple level, account-based marketing is the marketing team kind of standing up and saying, huh, okay, salespeople, why don't you, know, we can be account centric too. And let's all kind of agree on focusing our efforts onto a certain set of accounts. 
you put it another way, it, it's sort of just like the fishing analogy. I think a lot of marketers got drunk on inbound uh, in the last you know ten years or so. Oh yeah, because we were generating all these leads, and it was amazing. But at the same time, and you sales you know, aren't doing anything with these leads. <laughs> Well, yeah, which, I mean, sometimes marketers would complain about that. But I think that what was going on is sales was saying, all these leads are fine, but, like, I want to go after that guy. You know, you're, yeah. all that you found you're doing isn't helping me go after them. And so, again, account-based marketing is just sort of aligning and saying, we want to go after these accounts. Let's find a way to actually go after them. Um, and it's, it's, therefore, being more relevant, more focused, more personalized in all your interactions. So, in the last year now, and I think large part shaped by you, in some respects, is, is the conversation shifting from account-based marketing to term that, that you use, which is account-based everything. So, yeah. So what's, what's that evolution? There's been a very rapid evolution. So what is account-based everything then? Well, it's funny, because you know, I was one of the proponents of this whole idea of account-based marketing, and now I'm trying to say that that's old and passe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, last year is so, outdated. But you know, what, what happened was I spent the last year really thinking about this idea of fishing with spears. And what does that mean, and how do you actually do that? And what I realized is that marketing as a set of tactics is – Maybe necessary, but insufficient if you really want to reach out to the right people at the right accounts. Because think about it. If, if, you know, what are your marketing tactics? You can buy ads that target those accounts. Right. You can send them a direct mail package. You can hold a dinner, you know, a steak dinner or invite them to a seminar or something. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can maybe, maybe you, you can cha- personalize your website. If somebody from that account comes to, to visit to the site, you know, proactively, those are all good things. And, you know, people doing those things say that they're doing account-based marketing, but you're not really going to connect, reach out and connect with somebody. According to Topo, an analyst firm, uh, they say that, that marketing alone will only get about 15% penetration into the target accounts. Right. And so, you know, what, what, but what, what is working to, re, to really reach out and connect into a decision-maker to target account tends to be the sales development function. And we've seen a big rise in outbound sales development in the last few years, you know, right alongside with marketing being drunk on inbound. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, marketing, if you're not going to go get me the leads that we're going to do it ourselves. Right? I want, I'm going to go do it myself. Exactly. And, and the best account you know, base sales development, you know, the best sales development teams are thinking about it in an account-based way where they have a list of big accounts they're going after and they're reaching out to them with relevant human emails and relevant voicemails and they're touching them socially and they're doing that in a thoughtful way across the account. Yeah, we recently had uh, Lars Nilsson from Cloudera on the show. Perfect. Yeah, so he's, got a- he's obviously one of the big proponents of that idea. Right. You know, and so I'm like, all right, if you're going to fish with spears, account-based sales development makes a ton of sense. But now what happens is we're creating more and more silos, right? You got account-based marketers saying, hey, this is the best thing ever. But by calling it account-based marketing, you're saying to sales, this is my thing. This is not your thing. And by having account-based sales development, you're sort of saying, hey, we got this. Marketers, you go do your thing over there. 
Yeah, leave us alone. And, you know, I ultimately realized, okay, we need a bigger tent. We need a bigger a phrase that sort of, you know, works for everybody. And, you know, that's, you know, I basically sort of tried to agree to adopt, you know, frankly, what Topo came up with is they, they were calling it account-based everything. Uh, and I really think that's the right name. You know, it is, it is a, it is a, um, it is a strategy for aligning and orchestrating marketing and sales and sales development and customer success, you know, into really personalized, you know, interactions across the account, you know, and, and by the way, that's for new business and for existing customers. And it's something that's very much targeted to the enterprise market. Just so, I mean, it seems well, like, right? It, I mean, it's, it's I know it doesn't. At, at big fish. Yeah, I mean, it yep. does, doesn't necessarily have to be, but when you look at, and you talk about this in materials you put together, is you know, you look at the leveraging the cost of acquisition and the, the lifetime value of the account, then this really makes sense in an enterprise sense. Yeah, and again, I think, you know, let's just say all in, you're going to spend approximately one year, your first year of annual revenue from a customer on sales and marketing. Right. At least mm-hmm. for software as a service businesses, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Right. So, you know, I don't think you're going, you know, by the time you take account sales reps payments and salaries and commissions and all that kind of stuff, you know, this is not a strategy for $10,000 deals. No. Right. But I think depending on how you practice it, how much personalization you put into different accounts, I think these ideas can apply, at, you know, 25K deals and up. Well, yeah, I think so because I think one of the things I see is is that sometimes the complexity of the sales deal doesn't necessarily map to the dollar value. Yeah, yeah. In which case, this makes a lot of sense. But of course, the juice needs to be worth the squeeze, right? (laughs) You know, meaning you know, good expression. If if you put a lot in, if you put a lot into it, or a lot into it, you should be able to get a lot out of it. Right. Um, But that's my point. Is I'm not saying that this is a strategy for the enterprise, but the fish has to be big enough to be worth the effort. Okay. But I think the other thing you, you point out, which is really important, is that, and this is something I think that's sort of counter, it's not, logically, it, for some people, might appear to be counterintuitive, but it's actually not, which is that the account-based everything approach is actually a shorter time to revenue than saying, yeah, let's go do our traditional you know, inbound-oriented uh, fishing-with-nets type approach. Uh, well, you'll certainly see results probably faster. Uh, you know, no, no, no doubt about that. And I think the other key benefit of it is that uh, it's easier? It, it's easier to think about scaling it. You know, one mm-hmm. of the things that happened to me at Marketo is when we were ramping up towards the IPO. You know, they're like, "All right, we're growing at X percent, John. We'd like to grow at X plus Y percent. How much more budget do you need <laughs> to make that happen?" And uh, to be honest, it was a hard question to answer. Like, I don't know if I publish more blog posts. Can I guarantee that <laughs> that we're going to grow faster? You know, if I create another ebook, is that going to make that happen? You know, it was like like you're, as as great as inbound is. You know, it, it 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 does not have a direct connection between investment and outcomes. Whereas in account based everything, it's a much more linear relationship. If you double the amount of effort you're putting into your target accounts, you will probably get double the amount of pipeline. You know, on the backside. Um, and that's very attractive for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's very methodical. I mean, that's 
it's one of the things that makes it so so appealing, I would think, for somebody that really looks at it. I mean, especially if you look at it sort of in the vein of uh, some of the challenges for enterprise sales you see, you know, in the challenger customer and some of the CEB data they're coming out, you know, in terms of breadth of stakeholder, breadth and diversity of stakeholders and so on within enterprise accounts. Yeah, reaching out to those people. And this, you need a tool like this. Yep. Well, here's the other thing, which is, you know, enterprise salespeople get this, but it's probably worth pointing out for the broader audience. You know, the other problem with inbound is that you don't know who you're going to get. You might get a small company, but even if you get a bigger company, you may not get the senior person. And more likely than not, you know, you're going to be get some, you're going to get somebody who's searching because they have an existing project in place, which means that you are at best going to be off, you know, column B. Mm-hmm. You know, the other advantage of this out, account-based outbound model is you're targeting the big fish, but then you're also reaching high into the organization with relevant commercial insight, and you're ultimately using that in a challenger sale or solution seller model to create the opportunity. Right. Which means that you're creating much larger, much more strategic, op- you know, you know, deals. So the deal, the 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 value of the deal, even at the exact same company, is often going to be much larger. I think another thing that you you referred to earlier, started implying about earlier, is that as you do start breaking down these silos, that even in sales, you start having much more of a team approach. I mean, you look at what they're doing at Cloudera. It's not, hey, we've got SDRs in one in one silo, and we've got account execs, and we've got this you know, precarious handoff thing. Is is they're working concurrently on the same opportunity? It's not a serial approach. It's concurrent. Great point. I mean, the the the, the traditional model, I think, is is too much about handoffs, right? It goes from marketing down the funnel to sales development down the funnel, you know, to sales. And there's lots of effort expended in trying to figure out who gets credit for what. And a lot of friction involved. This model, everybody is involved throughout, you know, each step in what's hopefully an orchestrated process. Now that does mean there isn't credit, right? There isn't, oh great, that deal, that's a marketing driven deal. Well, that one over there, that's a sales-driven deal, right? They're all, these are us-driven deals because, you know, we are using team selling tactics right. to kind of drive this whole thing forward. And, you know, but that, that's, that's why this whole idea of orchestration becomes so important, you know, because if you're going to start to do this team selling at scale, you've got to have some process for making sure that all the right people are doing the right things at the right time. That's what orchestration is all about. Yeah, and the orchestration, to me, it's, it's like a further evolution of sort of sales process engineering, you know, the increased specialization of the sales function. I mean, sir, as I've been learning what you're doing, it sort of calls to mind a little bit on if you read The Machine by Justin Roth Marsh. Uh, interesting book about how to process, engineer the sales process. And it sort of seems like it starts dovetailing a little bit with what you're talking about here. I haven't read that one, but it actually sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. you should. I mean, it's it's. Um, I think you'd enjoy it. And he's he's been a guest on the show. You can listen to the the episode we did aired a couple of months ago. Um, so, last point before we jump into the, your ebook, you just got. I just one thing. I just want to make really clear is because one thing I hear a fair amount, and it's is that yeah, gosh, I've been a major account manager. You know, this is something I've always been doing this type of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I spoke to someone just a week ago. Somebody had been at IBM saying, "Oh yeah, we practiced you know this for a long time." But it's not the same. 
you know, I mean, there's elements that there is and elements that isn't, right? I mean, like there parts of this are just doing what a really good enterprise rep would do, right? Mm-hmm. You know, really good enterprise reps know how to use their company's resources, right? They know when to pull in the executive, you know, and they know how to brief that executive to be effective. They know when to bring in marketing to support them. You know, they know when to bring in their, their sales executive on top of them. And, 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 and they, they, they will manually orchestrate those interactions. And that's, but that's, yeah, that's the point though, right? Is they have to do that manually. You know, they're the coordinator. They're taking their selling time away as opposed to, and we'll talk about Engage. I was instead of putting together and orchestrating a play that involves multiple people with multiple responsibilities, do it more efficiently. Yeah, that's exactly right. So when you, you know, so what's new is, first of all, the ability to do this at a much, to, to orchestrate it with the technology and do it at a much greater scale, you know, than you could do before. So more accounts get that kind of quote unquote orchestrated love that that great enterprise AE would do for their small set of accounts. And the other thing that's new is like any kind of sales methodology type of technology, it lets you take the process that your best folks are doing and then apply it in a more scalable way to all of your folks. Right. So you can make an average rep, you know, as good a prospector as your best one. Right. So when you look at Engageo, and we'll talk about Engageo does, is... is, um, I don't know. I, I, I was sort of struggling for a little bit of a metaphor, but it's, to some degree, it's sort of like a control panel that sits on all these communication channels you have. Uh, but as you call it, an orchestration platform. I like that that description. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I sort of we use two analogies. You know, and the first one is the orchestra conductor. You know, where you know there's the wind instruments and your percussion instruments and your brass instruments. Right. And that might be your, your, your marketing touches and your sales development touches and your executive touches. Right. And the orchestra conductors to make sure that that all works in harmony with the right people coming in and out at the right time. So that's sort of analogy mm-hmm. number one that I think about. The other analogy I like to think about is a football play. Everybody loves the football plays. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, you know, when you think about it, we've talked about team selling. I've got all the people on my team. You know, whether it's executive or the account development rep or the AE, you know, and so those are my X's on the, on the chalkboard. And then we are talking about account selling here. So there's multiple people involved on the buying committee. Mm -hmm. So I've got all the O's, you know, on the board. And what a good coach is going to do is they're going to map up a play that says, okay, you do this and you do this. If this happens, you do this. And it's really sort of saying who's doing what kind of interactions with which kind of people at which point in time. One of the things I like best about the football analogy is it really does highlight the importance of the team selling component of this. You, know, you wouldn't have a football team that just had 11 wide receivers because they just get crushed. <laughs> Nobody would throw the ball to them. Or just 10 people standing around while one person runs with the football. That wouldn't be good too. Right? So, so it's not, you know, I, that's why I like this. It's, yeah, if you look at the intricacy of football plays at a college or a, a professional level, everybody has an assignment. Yeah, and if, and if and one person, all, if one person fails in it, the whole thing falls apart. And they have different roles. Yes, right. You have your linemen doing this, and you have your wide receivers doing that, and you know, and so on. And and that's the exact same thing that's true, I think, for sales plays. 
that they're, they're going to work best when you have people in all the different positions doing the right thing. Right, and then you you provide the analytics platform and the insights, similar to looking at game film, to say, okay, this worked or it didn't work, or you know, how did the how the opponents react, or in this case, how the customers react to it, and what do we need to do differently or better the next time? That's exactly right. You know, so you know, and and, and it's not just the game film. Obviously, I mean, there's you know, there there's the the actual process of. Or, well, sorry, it's the actual orchestration of the process. You know, it's funny because you know I come from a world at Marketo that people called marketing automation, and you know I think one of the problems with the word marketing automation is almost by definition automation is taking the human out of the process. Right. You know, you're 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 uh, it's an automaton, and. The, th- the stuff that we're talking about is essentially human at the core. You know, it is, it is a human sending an email to a human, <laughs> you know, that is a human making a phone call. And so, you know, automation, you know, if you look at what our technology does, we're not automating anything. But what we are doing is we're orchestrating it to make sure that every person knows what to do at, at each point in time. Yeah, as I you know read your book and you know educating myself about account based everything is is that yeah to me I think it and I'm a huge proponent of everything I write about the importance of the human element in sales yep. is yep. is I think this accentuates the human or gives the opportunity to accentuate the human I mean you just look at at simple example you have in the the video on the start of your your website which you know encourage people to go see is clear example you're talking about example of a play is sending a bottle of wine to a CEO of a prospect. And, you know, there's like three or four different people involved in doing that. And in the past, we said, if you're trying to a good AE at a major account was going to go do that, that would take a lot of coordination, right? It's got to go to the, because the SDR, you'd have an SDR to actually send the wine. You've got got to get to the CEO to send the follow-up email. And so you have to coordinate with the person's assistant to make sure that happens. And then, you know, the EEO has, AAE has to send his own email. It's like, wow. But instead, you got this play that you can set up that that helps make that happen in much more, I hate to use the word, but automated fashion, orchestrated fashion. Yeah. Well, I think that's all right. Um, And if if I can, I just want to make one point about what is the opposite of this look like? You know, because the opposite of this is what I've started calling sales spam. And this has become, I think, a real problem with, with uh, whether it's a salespeople or sales development reps mm-hmm. sending these, you know, you know, basically generic e- emails, but because they're coming from an individual kind of get around the spam filters. But we all yeah. rec- we all recognize them for what they are. You receive them, yeah. I receive them. Yeah, we know what they are. As much as I love Aaron Ross, I mean, like you know, kind yeah. of, you know, he sort of kicked off this whole thing. Yes, which, which, yeah, it, it worked really well five or six years ago, especially when all the spam filters learned how to block marketing spam and this other stuff could get through. But I, I think the reality is these te- the, the technology, the spam filters are going to pr- they're pretty smart and they're going to figure out how to start blocking. You know this unwanted sales spam. You know pretty damn fast. Well, yeah. I mean, you just look at the curve of adoption. I mean, the fact is, up to this point, it's been the real early adopters have been doing that 
you know, you're taking the early adopters and innovators over to account-based everything, while still 90% of the market is still thinking, oh, let's start sending emails. Yep. Let's send more sales spam. Let's send more sales spam. It works less and less. So what do these people do? They don't think about more and more. Right. Doing better. They think about sending more sales spam. (laughs) That's that's the answer to everything. It's not (laughs) not to do it better. It's just do more of it. Exactly. So so you know I I I, I point out like that's the opposite of 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 what we're talking about. You know, doing well and and I think the people who are trying to make their quotas and their numbers just by by you know sending out more robo spam. Uh, are gonna find themselves, you know, wondering why nobody's responding anymore. Pretty, well, pretty, pretty soon. Right, and I think you know the key thing of of what we've been sort of talking about. You think about this and selling to the enterprise. You know, if we if we just accept as a as a basis of discussion the some of the assumptions that are in, let's say, the challenger customer, writing about you know six point seven. That's the number goes up. I think it's five point seven in their book. They now saying six point eight. You know, stakeholders in every decision, and there's incredible diversity among the stakeholders in terms of their desires, needs, wants, decision-making processes, and so on, is, as always, a really complex task to manage. Um, but now you're providing a tool to simplify that to some degree, simplify the orchestration of it. Yeah, that's right. And so I think what it does for me is it, it if I were... <laughs> in a company that was using this, I'd be so excited because now it enables me to get back to the human element that I talked about before where I can really focus on delivering the value to the prospect to help them make a decision as opposed to spending 60, 50, 60% of my time orchestrating what needs to go on. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, that the that having selling time <laughs> actually be selling I mean, like your salespeople time actually, you know, selling it, that's so valuable, right? And so any time that you can sort of help them streamline the process to have more selling time, the better it's going to be. Well, especially if it's selling time that's devoted to selling as opposed to actual selling to the customer. That's, yeah, instead. that's my actual yeah. selling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, well, good. John, we're in the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And uh, the first one, is a hypothetical scenario. And in this scenario, you've just been hired as the VP of sales by a company whose sales have stalled out. And CEO, board, want to hit the reset button, get things back on track quickly. So what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Well, I'll go back to, you know, remember I'm a physics undergraduate. Uh, yes. You know, so I'm pretty analytical. Uh, and you know, it's, it's funny, you know, cause I obviously looking at this from the perspective of the CEO, but so the sure. first thing I would do is, you know, I would want to really diagnose, you know, where is the, the, the problem? You know, I mean, so basically is this a top of the funnel problem because there's not enough marketing, you know, or, or sales development to help the team create pipeline? Mm-hmm. Is it a sort of middle of the funnel problem where we're not converting the the engagement and the activity that we're generating into sales opportunities, or is it a bottle, bottom of the funnel problem where we're not actually taking the deals that we have and winning them? Now, in reality, it's probably some mix of all three, but like that's the first thing I you know before sure. I can tell you what I'm going to do, I got to understand where the problems are, and then the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the team. You know, and is this a situation where everybody across the board is not achieving their number? 
you know, if so, that's probably a product market fit problem, you know, where right. we're, there's something more fundamentally wrong with our offering. But if it's varied, where I see some people making the number and some people not making the number, right, then I know that's a performance and execution problem with those individual people, mm-hmm. right? So I can narrow in and focus on that. Okay. Good answer. So some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. So when you, John, have occasion to be out selling Engageo services or Engageo, <laughs> the company, let's say to investors, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Uh, yeah, I think I come across very credible, uh, you know, as both a domain expert in my space mm-hmm. and also as a, you know, just software as a service executive who has done this before. Right. You know, and, you know, a little, little bit, that means I get to, you know, rest on my laurels, you know, because, you know, just no matter what I do, I'm going to have some just innate, incre- innate credibility yeah. kind of as I go out to people. But I, I certainly try to take advantage of that and lean into it by, you know, embracing thought leadership and other things that are about credibility. Okay. So who's your sales role model? Well, as yeah, you, know, you know, not being a sales executive specifically myself, right, right? You know, I'll answer that. Like, where do I go to learn about kind of selling and sales best practices? And you know, one of the places that I I personally find is saying some of the smartest stuff out there that I you know that I'm reading is the analyst firm Topo, mm-hmm. you know, led by Craig Rosenberg yep. and um, you know some of the other folks you know that he's built with the analyst firm. So, you know, looking at him, <clears throat> looking at, you know, like Trish Bertuzzi in the sales development world, um, you know, obviously Jason Lemkin at Saster, like just, you know, these, these are the people I'm going to, to kind of learn uh, and think about kind of cutting edge in sales. Okay. Yeah. Most of those, except for Jason, have been guests on the show. Um, one book you'd recommend that every salesperson read? That every salesperson would read? Mm-hmm. Uh, um Well, challenge or sale. I mean, that's probably a pretty common answer you get on the show. But, you know, one of the things that I think is... Not as much as you'd think, actually. Really? One of the things that's just so inherently true about this whole idea of account-based everything Mm -hmm. is at the end of the day, it's about trying to engage these target executives in valuable conversations that bring commercial insight, where commercial insight teaches them something new in a way that's really tailored to their business. Exactly. So, you know, in a nutshell... You know, the challenge of sale is, you know, at the core of a good account-based everything strategy. Yep. All right. So, good answer. Last question for you, then. What music is on your playlist these days? Ah, so my family's gotten pretty obsessed with uh, the Hamilton musical. Yes. Have you seen it yet? (laughs) Uh, We did, actually. My wife and I, we decided to splurge uh, and ponied up the ridiculous amount of money for, for tickets. Um, but we've also listened to it a whole bunch of times right. and the music's so fast that you really do need to listen to it a couple of times yeah. uh, in order to be able to pick up everything that's going on. So did you see it before Lin-Manuel Miranda left? No, no, we actually, uh, just saw it a couple of months ago. So it was about half of the original cast. Yeah. 
but it's still a pretty amazing show. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we saw it with him, but uh, yeah, fantastic show. Fantastic show. All right, well, John, thanks so much for being on the show today. Um, tell people how they can learn, out, learn more about Engage or connect with you. Yeah, well, I think you know, probably the best thing to do is grab a copy of my books. So you can go to engageo.com slash guide. And from there, you can download my uh, book I wrote last year, The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Marketing, you know, as well as this, you know, then my new one, The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development. And obviously, you put them together, and you've got the manual for account-based everything. Perfect. Excellent. Well, good. Well, John, thanks very much for being on the show. And remember, thank friends. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. And remember, friends, thank you for making it a part of your day to join us. And remember, make it part of your day as well to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate, and that way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, John Miller, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.